0: of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I am your host, Patrick Grayhall, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, we are broadcasting here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor. And uh, we are part of the Dorkening Network. And as such, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. Once you go deadly, you don't go back. And I am not here by myself. No, as usual, I am here. Joined by my co-host on the show and my co-host in life, she is... <sighs> The Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Ashes von Nightmare. Oh, hey. Oh, wait, I forgot your new one.
1: We have a new one?
0: The new one for uh, oh, The for Loudest Sports Show. Oh, for the new, for show. The new yeah, show, For you folks yes. at home who are just hearing this because we didn't want to talk about it last week because we didn't want to overshadow the Chad- Chadwick Bozeman tribute. Uh, Ashes is joining my brothers and I on a new sports show called The Loudest Sports Show, and Ashes uh, will be known as Slashes the Ice Queen, and she will be our hockey expert. So check that out, uh, newest edition to the Dorkening Network. But uh, that's not what we're talking about today. What we are talking about today, we are thrilled to have uh, a couple of writers on. Uh, this seems to be a trend. We've been interviewing a lot of authors lately. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, especially like free books. Like, <laughs> 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 how, do, how do you beat that? Uh, we are joined by Elaine Mungeon and uh, Glenn Zipper, authors of Devastation Class. And uh, how are you guys doing today? Good. Good,
2: you? Good. You know, Very excited. still waking up a little bit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very excited to talk to you guys today because uh, I'm a big sci-fi guy. I never read a lot of sci-fi as a kid, although, you know, looking back, maybe I did without realizing it, but uh, that's something we'll get into a little later on. But um, so you guys are uh, you guys are both on the West Coast.
2: We are. We're in L.A. Oh, nice.
0: Yeah, so I appreciate you guys uh getting up a little earlier than uh than we are to uh prepare for this. We had a, a few extra hours to get ready. So I, I definitely appreciate you guys uh taking the time and uh now this book before we uh before we get into our getting it to character, this comes out on the eighth of September, if I'm correct. Yeah, Tuesday. Which is very awesome, so congratulations. And Thank uh you. We're, like I said, we're going to get into this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. This
1: is going to be awesome.
0: But uh, we have some uh, getting into character questions for you guys. We kind of gave you a rundown of what it's like off air. So uh, we're just going to jump right into it. So this question is for each of you. And uh, Elaine, uh, we'll go with you first. What is your favorite sci-fi vehicle? This could be from movies, video games, books,
2: this is a really 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 tough question for me, I got to say. Um I I of course have to say the Millennium Falcon um 100%. However, I am a uh big fan of the USS Sulaco. Ooh. Uh, yep. Yeah.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm.
2: And um the the bat pod quite frankly.
0: Okay. That's mm-hmm. fair. Mm-hmm. Sulaco is a good one. Sulaco is definitely – I don't think anyone has ever chosen that because we've asked that a few times, and I don't think anyone has ever picked the solaco Glenn, you had a little bit of time to think about this, so.
3: Yeah, I don't know. It's probably a tie because, you know, I'm a huge fan of all things sci-fi and also a huge fan of all things horror, so the event horizon ticks both boxes. Um, and then, you know, from sci-fi proper, I'd probably go with the Defiant from Star Trek. Small okay. but packs a punch. And I just love how uh, – once war showed up on Deep Space Nine, he decided he didn't really want to sleep on the space station anymore, and he just slept on the Defiant every night. <laughs> <laughs> this was like his hotel room.
0: That's I, I, I like that. I like uh, that's some solid choices. Solid choices. I appreciate that.
1: So my next question has absolutely nothing to do with sci-fi and everything to do with pizza. I want to oh. know what are your favorite pizza
2: toppings. Oh my gosh, this is a really, really tough one. <laughs> I don't know. I'm a big fan of. Uh, I like a. I, I like a nice mushroom.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and uh, and then, like, if I'm gonna go, if I want something like slightly sweeter, I'll go with just the classic margarita. But it's got to have the fresh basil. Yes. Oh wait, I got one more. Okay, there's a place. There's a place in LA called Pizzeria Mozza, and they have this incredible burrata and squash blossom pizza Ooh. and that is the that's if you want to go for the fancy and you like you get it hot but the barata is cool and you mash it down into the crust and it's like just delicious
0: no. i'm getting hungry yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, now i want pizza
3: you know it's only it's only 11 o'clock here in la but you know it's five o'clock somewhere so maybe i'll have some pizza next um well i would have said pepperoni uh about nine months ago but about nine months ago i also became a vegetarian so no more pepperoni for me um i would probably go with garlic onions and uh black olives so no one's going to want to make out with me
2: afterwards
3: the garlic and the onions isn't enough to disabuse anyone of the of the urge to kiss me the black olive stuck in my teeth will probably stop it Writing their
0: tracks. It sounds like a good combination. But, but yeah, I was like, but the
1: most important part is that sounds like a freaking good, like, delicious pizza. So that's <laughs> like
2: my worst nightmare.
1: <laughs>
3: she doesn't <know>. like <laughs> it. not to go off topic, it'll be quick. Oh, no, the, that's fine. But Elaine, Elaine and I, we might get to this at some point anyway, but we used to date. So before we became writing partners, we were a couple. We're not anymore because, you know, Elaine couldn't deal with how annoying I am um, anymore. But when we go out to eat, Elaine has so many dietary restrictions that and would torture waiters and waitresses to such an extreme that at one point I went on to Vistaprint and I had a, a little business card printed out with all of her dietary restrictions so I could just hand it to the waiter.
2: And that was the, the smartest thing ever. I still have the cards, I still use them and the waiters and waitresses and the serving staff are so thankful every time, every time I hand them the card and normally I preface it by saying, please don't spit in my food, but here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you definitely like.
1: That's actually a really brilliant idea, though.
5: Yeah, because
0: yeah. you're not like sitting there pointing like, oh, my God, like, I don't like that. And don't put any of this in here. Is this fresh brazel? Like, oh, like. You just call it brazel. I didn't mean to say brazel, but. I, we
3: call Actually, in your defense, we call it brazel in Los Angeles. Yeah, so see, good.
0: that's that's fancy. Oh, <laughs> oh pinky up
1: fancy, huh? Yes, yes yeah. yes.
3: Yeah. You haven't lived until you had the brazel. Basil's fine, brazel better.
0: The, that's only what you get when you're, you know, uh, uh, an L.A. hotshot. That's the, that's the only time you get the brazel. Because you would know? Everybody else, listen, you know, I did have a life before you.
3: If they, if they, if they tell you they don't have the brazel, tell them you know me.
0: <laughs> that'll do it, that'll do it. All right. So next, uh, next question. You guys are uh, you guys are crushing these things. Um, if you could visit one planet, completely safe, you could observe, you could go anywhere, you know, through, you know, kind of like the uh, magic school bus type of thing, where you can see all of it, you know, go to the core, you know, drive around for a while, you know, what planet would you want to go see?
3: That's, that's an easy one for me, man. I've been in pandemic. Quarantine for far too long, so I'm going with Rigel Seven from Star Trek: Pleasure Planet. I just want to, I just want to party, man. I want to get weird. Let's do it. I'm on my way. Trans (laughs) me down now.
2: Oh, I was, you know, I, um, I feel, uh, I feel less nerdy because, like, I wasn't actually thinking about uh, a fictitious planet, so. I'm just going to go like super basic and go Saturn because like I think it looks
0: cool. See, now I, I was I was actually thinking myself, Europa, mm. because there's, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Europa Report, uh, it's the only I think it's the only moon that they're fairly sure has liquid water on it and could sustain life. Mm-hmm. So that's that's gonna check
3: out. Very practical. I'm yeah, impressed. But,
0: Yes. So like there's there's no like less nerdy version of which planet would you want to live on like <laughs> just just to get that out of the way there's no I other. wish
2: I had had more time to think about it.
0: Well, this honest. is why we spring these on you cuz you want your first instinct. Your first We're not we're not going to make fun of you that
3: the atmospheric pressure of Saturn Saturn would immediately crush you into and liquefy you but
0: yeah, remember you can you're you're gonna he be that doesn't matter. Yeah, you're completely yeah. safe. Nothing will nothing will happen.
3: You got the you got the force field around you, you're good. Yeah, you could stroll
0: around the, the, the you know lead lead lakes of Venus if you'd like. Yeah. Um do you have another one?
1: I do have another All right, one. Let's hear it. So say you have a weekend to yourself and you could binge watch any TV show ever made. What show are you watching?
0: And the weekend will last as long as the show. So if you have time a show,
1: ar- we're, we're in a pandemic. Time like, is irrelevant at this point.
0: All thirty seasons of The Simpsons, you can watch all thirty seasons of The Simpsons, or thirty-two, whatever it is now. It's a lot. You know,
3: I, I don't know. I, I think a weekend would be enough for the show. That I, I literally, I was on a bike ride the other day, and I was thinking of all the shows that I loved in my childhood, and the one that I have not watched uh and on a long time and I do actually maybe I'll even start revisiting it this weekend is uh V, the original V. Mm. Not the series, but the two mini series, V and V The Final Battle.
0: That's a good one.
2: That is a good one. This is a tough one for me, guys. I don't know. I I think I would I think I would rewatch next generation. Okay. From the beginning all the way through. And and follow it up with D S nine.
3: You know, and okay. there, there's one other one that, like, I was talking to so many people I talked to have never even heard of it. And it's so good. And of course it only lasted one season, which is The Adventures of Briscoe County, Jr. with, with Bruce Campbell. Bruce
0: Campbell, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, so good. So good.
2: Oh, I think I would also do, quite frankly, Buck Rogers. Like, that was like a show from childhood that I have not seen since childhood. I think that would be a good one. Okay. That
3: is, mm. is Guild a- yeah.
2: Yeah, what was the name of the robot and he went
3: Tweaky. Yeah. Where was it? Tweaky. Tweaky. Google it. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, so last question. And this uh this tends to be anytime you pit one sci-fi franchise against another it tends to get a little combative, but uh that's what we like to do sometimes. That's why it's okay. called Throwdown Thursday. But uh, this one's a uh, fairly straightforward. It doesn't really—it's not like you know, you know, Picard or Kirk or anything like that. Would you rather uh, wield a lightsaber or a phaser?
2: Lightsaber, one hundred percent.
3: And one thousand percent phaser. So I'm, you know, I'm a coward. Like, why do I want to get near someone? Why do I want to have to develop any skill to to wield the lightsaber? I'd probably end up chopping my own arms off. So I'm gonna go with the phaser.
0: All right, that's fair. I
1: appreciate the honesty.
3: So, yeah, <laughs> it's run the fight a hundred out of a hundred
0: times. So uh, Elaine, follow up. Natural mm-hmm. question: What color is your blade? Blue. Blue?
2: Like a yeah, like like a nice like cyan, really strong cyan blue.
3: Oh, this is one she's definitely thought about. Like this is did <laughs> not, like this is one. <laughs> if you in the shower like two days ago, she had to be thinking of this one.
0: Oh yeah, I. <laughs> Same thing. I would go, uh, because I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars nerd, I'd go with uh, white just to signify that I am a, a, a Force user, but I have no affiliation to either Jedi or Sith. Wow. That is, so,
3: that's an impressive answer.
0: I am a, I am a huge lightsaber nerd. So uh, what Great. What we'll do, uh, you guys have survived the uh, getting into character questions, so what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we will be discussing uh, devastation class. So we'll be right back.
5: Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary.
0: Boy, it sure was nice for that backwoods inbred cannibal clan to give me directions. If you ask me, they're a seriously misunderstood section of society. Hey, wait, what is that music? And what smells like hydroelectricity?
4: Well, hello, 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 hello there, Patsy the Angry Nerd! You, you, you big boy! The shaking in the shoes, the way you look at people huh, when you're at the Hundred Hydro. Why, why? It's okay, little fella. You can come and play in my playground. <laughs> Crazy Bob's here tonight, and I love each and every person who comes to visit us at 1333 Tiffin Street in Fremont, Ohio. That's right, 31 years of burying people in my backyard. (laughs) I want to invite you to come down. Visit our Facebook. Visit our website, www.thehauntedhydro.com. Or, because we like to just be crazy, hauntedhydro.com. You don't have to use the word the, because some of you have trouble spelling it. I get it. I get it. It's
0: not our fault. Words are hard. So I'll just stick to what I know. Social media. I'll follow you on Instagram at the underscore haunted underscore hydro and at facebook.com slash the haunted hydro.
4: Well, I want to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we are doing our 31st year. Make sure that you come down and see us. Sooner or later, you're going to be one of the few that survive. <laughs> Patrick Ray in the motherfucking house. <laughs> Patrick Ray in the motherfucking house. Patrick Rahel. In the motherfucking house. In the motherfucking house.
0: And we are back. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that that new ad that I just played because it was uh, it was pretty great. Uh, and if you missed that interview that was uh, this past Friday on uh, on our YouTube channel, it was live, so do yourself a favor and check that out, because it was a lot of fun. All right, so we are talking today uh, with uh, Elaine and Glenn about Devastation Class. And first, I want to say, Glenn, thank you for uh, preemptively following us on Twitter the other day. I appreciate that. Of course. So made sure to go back in and, and follow you on all three of my accounts that I have. So, uh, And Elaine, I followed you as well, but it doesn't seem like you are as active on Twitter as... Uh,
2: I, I think I have like you know three followers or something and I just started like a month ago and I I'll be totally honest i I'm really bad at social media and I don't really
4: like it so yeah, I, I'm same
0: I use it to promote the shows promote the folks that we're you know we're chatting with and that's about it yeah. Although we did have a guest a, a while back who said that Twitter was her favorite sport.
2: <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> well, it was also Stormy Daniels. So <laughs> yeah, it was
0: it was Stormy Daniels. So saying that Twitter was her favorite sport is very accurate. So.
2: Are you being serious? Yes. Yes.
0: Wow. We, we uh, impressive. She's in a a film that uh, we've been helping to promote called uh, Axe to Grind Part Two, and we had a bunch of the cast on for a live interview, and she joined us for a little bit. She's a flamethrower. She was she was great. Yeah, she's quite a pistol, that and
1: is. and really smart. Like yeah. people do not give her enough credit.
0: Do yourself wow. a favor, and uh, she's got a comic coming out in October. Google Stormy Daniels Space Force to see the uh, the picture on this uh, on this comic. It's amazing. Um, but we're talking about devastation class today. And, uh, so I've got a bunch of questions because, you know, we have like the standard stuff, like, you know, what, you know, what inspired you? Where'd you really get into, you know, sci-fi and stuff like that. But the thing that I'm mostly concerned about asking today, because I don't understand how you can write something with somebody else. Like how difficult is that? Um, Because anytime I try to write something, if I'm going in a certain direction, like I kind of get surprised and I like to have the freedom and creativity to let the story flow wherever it goes. How does that change when you have two people writing uh, the same narrative? Not as much as you'd
3: think, because people have this mental picture of us like sitting opposite each other at a table and sort of going, you know, page by page. And that's not really how we do it. You know, we we had um, an outline that we were working from chapter to chapter. But then, depending on who felt like they really had a better take on a chapter and broken the story for that chapter, one of us would go off and write that chapter by ourselves. And then we'd slide that over uh, to the other person who would then take the pass, review it, uh, make some changes, and then slide it back again. So there was a lot of back and forth that way. Sometimes one of us would go and do two or three chapters that way. Sometimes it was one chapter at a time. But it was never an incremental process we were, where we would um, sort of go back and forth from page to page because we, we, I'm sure we would have murdered each other if we tried that.
0: Yeah, yeah I, w- I wouldn't have pictured that at all.
3: Some people do. It's, it's interesting, you know, and, and uh, they just sort of imagine us, you know, sitting at a Starbucks somewhere banging away on the keyboard. <laughs> like it works, I, the visual is like you're playing Battleship where you have the two dueling laptops sort of <laughs> to one another.
0: Whoever,
2: you know, I mean, there are writing programs that allow for collaborators to write that way, but we we've never written that way together.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would imagine something like uh, like a Google Docs type thing where you can add, you know, the, uh, you know, like feedback and stuff. You know, you can put comments on like, oh, I like this section, you know, take this or change this, move it around. Um, Did that kind of dictate how you guys uh, chose to do the POV narrative?
3: It, well, there's, there's an interesting story behind that because the book did start as third-person you know, um, voice of God, essentially, and uh, there was something that just wasn't working, um, and I was the one who was hanging on to that. And the reason that, that I and, and originally Elaine thought that third-person was, was the best way to come at this story is because there's so much going on in this story at the same time. You're on the ship, and there are things that are happening on different decks. There are things that are happening outside the ship. And so, like, how do you... How do you get to all those places at the same time when you're in one person's head? And so our original instinct was to not be in anyone's head. But at some point, it was Elaine who had the idea to backtrack and, and start rewriting in the first person, but from a multiple character POV. And I was very, I was very resistant to that and stubborn and annoying about it. And at some point, we weren't that far into the book. We might have been seven or eight chapters into the book and at some point I just got so frustrated with her nagging me about it that I said, you know what? Fine. Just go do it. Just go away. Go do it. It's going to be terrible. Send it to me. And then I, you will see, it's not going to be good. And then, you know, she went away for like a month. She sent me three chapters and I started reading it angrily. Like, this is definitely going to be terrible. This is, this is actually much better. And, uh, <laughs> and so that's, that's the origin story of the first, of the uh, multiple, multiple perspective first person.
0: Yeah. Cause I found that to be uh very interesting, um, the uh, Song of Ice and Fire books are written similarly where you get a, uh, you know, a chapter from a character's point of view, but it's, you know, it's third person. Yeah. So you don't know everything that's going on. Um, it's very similar in that. I mean, I got, I got a little thrown off at first cause I was like, am I, did I skip a place? Because, you know, you have the, uh, the Viv chapter. And for some reason I thought I was looking at Roman numerals. but. <laughs> Ah, oh, <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, that's, that's, that's
3: hilarious. That would
0: be... I'm like, that's not even a. That's, well, not, I mean, not, that's not even right movies. Yeah, I'm like, that's VIV. That's not even a thing. Like, no, it
3: what, was crazy <laughs> though. Is that's actually a very like that makes total sense to me. And I can't say how many times. Obviously, we've read it. How many other people have read it? How many editors have read it? And no one has said that. <laughs> I think it actually, I think you're actually smarter than most people. That's why <laughs> your brain went there.
0: I was just. It was just weird. It was, you know i was i was reading it and i was you know i was you know getting engrossed in the story and you know i'm i'm enjoying the the characters and i'm like wait fi- wait what is that 15 16 wait nine I... <laughs> <laughs> yeah
4: yeah yeah yeah
0: but so i i i uh i was like oh yeah yeah no no that's not no vivian vivian not... vivian vivian it's it's, it's not I and I will say that you know I read stuff weird like the first time I read it I read it uh as Vixen for some reason probably because of her net last name um, Oh that's
2: <laughs> oh that's really funny.
1: I'm like why on... is her
0: name's rhyming? I'm like, "Oh, that's interesting." <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh no, that's no, that's not it either." it's the, it's the ADD. <laughs> it's the ADD and the fact that I wasn't wearing glasses. I probably should be wearing my glasses, but know it would help in. if you
3: if, if you just take some medicinal Brazil that's, yeah, that's
0: medicinal that right yes. I'm gonna write that down. Medicinal, medicinal brazil. brazil. It's legal now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. So Ashes, I know you have a bunch of questions you want to ask as well.
1: I, I do. I'm I'm medicinal Brazil. Um, <laughs> so That'll be the episode time. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um so my question to you both is when Writing these characters, did you put any of yourself into these characters? And kind of a second question, because you both know each other so well, when you were reading the other person's contribution, did you notice anything like, oh, yeah, this is so typical of, of you know, like you, you wrote this character this is something you would do
0: you're both smile- like people who are listening to this aren't <laughs> going to see this both of them have these huge grins on their faces so
1: it's cuz it seems like you guys okay i mean we spoke a little off air you said that you you know had had dated for about 8 years and that's a really long time and you guys seem to have this really great rapport with each other still so I mean I, I'm excited to read more of this book because a it's great, but like y- you guys seem to work really well together. So I just kind of wanna a peek behind the scenes a little bit.
2: Sure, I'll let I'll let Glenn answer first.
3: Well, yeah, I mean I, the thing is, I think when you're when you're writing, um, it, it's hard to not imbue the characters you're writing with a part of yourself. It's just sort of like when you're watching, you know, a movie that you love you try and picture yourself as the hero watching, you know, Star Wars, you you can't help, but want to be Luke Skywalker or Han Solo or Leia. And, um, you know, it's easy to do that as, as an audience member, but I think it's even easier to do it when you're creating those characters. And so this character has a number of protagonists, but the two main protagonists are JD and Viv, um, not Roman numerals, actually Viv. And, (laughs) and, uh, and so, so, and, and it got to the point where, I sort of uh, subconsciously was definitely imbuing JD with with elements of myself, and, and, and Elaine was definitely imbuing Viv with elements of herself. And then when we'd have a conflict about a character, you know, where Elaine would tell me, for instance, like, okay, JD would never do that. And I would be like, are you fucking kidding me? I am JD. Don't tell me what JD would do. <laughs> do You're not JD. This guy is like an elite military cadet who could like climb a mountain in fifteen minutes? I've seen you try and get out of bed and fall on your face. And so, and so we both did have to check ourselves and 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 come to terms with the fact that while these characters definitely have qualities that we aspire to have, their best qualities, we probably don't have very many of them, but we we probably have all of their flaws.
0: That's a good way to put it. Elaine?
2: I have nothing to add. <laughs> <laughs> he he nailed it, and I don't I don't really need to contribute to that at all.
0: I mean, it is it is true. Like I think part of uh, part of writing a character, especially when you're trying to create them from whole cloth, is you try to you know take a situation that they're in and think of how you would respond, but then kind of tweak it to kind of match the the personality of the character you're trying to create. It's like, well, oh, I would definitely, you know, pull out a sword and, and duel this guy. But it's like, but the character wouldn't. Oh.
3: Exactly. You know, and one of the most interesting things that we came up against was, you know, we tried to also remind ourselves that not only were we not these characters, but like these characters are all, you know, for the most part, 17, 18 years old, and we're much older than that. And so we had to put ourselves back in the headspace of a teenager. And the, the choices you make as an adult are so vastly different than the choices that you make as a teenager. And when we were sending initial drafts of the manuscripts to our editors, we got back some notes like, well, why would they do this? It's a stupid decision. Their emotions are overriding logic. You know, they're, they're prioritizing friendship over their survival of, you know, of, of you know, many more people than, than just their, their friends. And and we had to remind them. We say, well, these are just kids, and they're not just kids making stupid decisions. They're kids that are being faced with life and death and death stakes. If they, they literally have the weight of the world on their shoulders. If they don't make the right call, they may die, and humanity may end. So, under those circumstances, kids are going to make some stupid emotional choices. And we had to, you know, really stick to our guns about that and get our editors comfortable with the fact that these characters are not always going to make the right choices.
0: And that's. I mean, that's fair with, you know, any other character, as long as there's, you know, a logic to it, uh, Mm -hmm. story wise. Yeah. If you're not, if you're just trying to push the narrative forward by having someone make an insane choice, Mm -hmm. you know, that's not what you want. Mm hmm. Right. So, you know, going through this, I can definitely see uh, a little bit of, uh, you know, Starfleet Academy type uh, influence. Um, so what what kind of stuff did you guys you know read and watch when you were younger that kind of contributed to your experience and, uh, you know, kind of uh, influenced this uh, this particular book?
3: There's one big one, um, everyone goes to Star Trek and that's of course it's understandable, that certainly influenced the book, but the big influence was a movie from 1981 called Taps, um, which had a bunch of no-name actors in it at the time who then went on to be uh, Tom Cruise, Sean Penn, Timothy Hutton, Gene Carlo Esposito, long before he was Gus Fring. And that's a story of these military cadets whose academy is going to be torn down to make way for some needless condominiums. And because the, the academy is so inextricable from their identities, and they love it so much, they just can't bear the idea of the academy being bulldozed. So they actually mutiny and take over the academy and they won't let the construction crews in. And eventually they have to go up against the actual military to defend the Academy. And it was just something that we both latched onto long before we, we knew each other. And we love that movie so much. And if you haven't seen it, you should definitely check it out. Um, but that was really the core inspiration.
0: Interesting.
2: And I should add, I'll add that, um, when Glenn and I first met, literally on our first date, we bonded over our, our common, uh, uh, nerd status. And, uh, our first date actually morphed into a an overnight binge of Battlestar Galactica the Ron Moore version
3: good yeah.
2: Good. yeah
0: so um, what was your your first introduction to sci-fi so if those were your biggest influences what were your what was your first real introduction
2: mine was Mine was Star Wars. I I have, uh, my brother is seven and a half years older than I am, and my sister's nine and a half years older than I am. So a lot of my uh, taste was developed very, very early by those. Those two basically influenced my taste, like, from birth. Um, So Star Wars was huge in our house. You know, my brother had the poster on his wall and the bed sheets and the action figures, and so I, like, grew up as a, toddler, like playing Star Wars. And like, I, I re- recall being Princess Leia for Halloween and like the first grade or something like I, I was obsessed with Star Wars as a kid. Um, and then when I got a little older, Blade Runner was introduced, you know, we watched Blade Runner together and and then Alien and aliens. And I mean, the list goes on and on. But like, that was that was really a core Uh, to my childhood was just like watching and and buck rogers we would watch it all together the original Battlestar Galactica like my brother and sister and I would watch a lot of stuff together and they would take me to the movies when you know I was probably way too young to see half the movies that they introduced me to. So that was that was huge. That was huge for me.
3: I think for me um you know there's sort of two columns of influence um, dating back to my childhood, we had one of the first VCRs that that, that never came out, sort of the top loading VCR. You almost had to like stand on it to close it. And we only had three movies. We had Star Wars. We had the Rocky Horror Picture Show and we had Superman two. And so I would watch those movies on a loop, but even like the cross pollination of Star Wars and the Rocky Horror Picture Show, I'm sure warped my mind forever um, and explains why I'm so weird. And then um, you know, we had early HBO and this was before there was endless, infinite amounts of content. So they only had so many movies and they would just show them on a loop. And I just remember films like, uh, escape from New York, uh, big trouble in little China, those you know, car, the thing, like, sort of, like all things, John Carpenter, Halloween. I know that's not sci-fi obviously. Um, and, um, and then sort of like, that sort of weirder sci-fi comedy sci-fi like the ice pirates with robert urich and um and like roger corman sci-fi like battle beyond the stars all those things uh, uh, were like a stew of creative inspiration for me that still affects me to this day
0: awesome ashes
1: i do have a question so where did the idea for devastation class come from and when did you know it was going to be a multi-book series?
2: Well, pretty early on uh, in our dating, I think it was like a year in or something, we decided that we would collaborate on something together just because we, we were such fans and we were constantly like, watching things together and, and reminiscing over the old stuff that we both loved. And, and uh, the kernel of the idea was uh, teenagers in space um and then and then as glenn said we started talking about taps and and that really was a a key influence for us um i yeah
3: and then in terms of the the trilogy this actually started out um because we're we both work in film and tv um and so that influence came to bear originally we're like all right well this should be a tv show so we wrote the pilot we wrote i think three episodes in total we wrote a first season bible and we showed it to some of the fancy, cool people we know in film and TV, and they were like, "This is great," but like, they didn't do anything. They, you know, we were hoping someone would open a door, and mm. that's a common thing. You know, people will read your stuff and they'll give you encouragement, but to actually open doors for you, there's very few people who will put themselves out on a limb like that. So we were just sort of languishing with this story. And Elaine has a friend who is an artist that does cover art for novels, and Elaine suggested we give it to him uh, as a fanboy read.
2: Yeah, I just wanted like a non. Industry fanboy read like because a lot of the people most of the people we had given it to were all in the industry So I just wanted to like hey, do you think this is any good as a fan?
3: And he he read it and like there's a sort of a long story there that probably is is, um, Too boring to tell but um, that got us down the road of writing it as a as a novel But we had created this big universe that couldn't that was a TV show that couldn't ever fit in one book so that's how um, we it occurred to us that really the only way we could tell this story would be as a trilogy.
0: Now, had this been made into a a TV show, you know, and, uh, you know, I I would imagine that you would have the characters would, you know, progress and, you know, age as the, uh, adventure continued. Mm -hmm. Did you have, uh, anybody in mind that you were like, Oh, this, you know, this should be Viv, this should be JD.
3: You know, the, the only one I remember us talking about um, was actually not one of the teenage characters. It was Captain Marshall, J.D.'s dad, who's this, you know, he is the end-all and be-all of his sci-fi spaceship captains. And for whatever reason, we, we both saw him as John Hamm.
2: Yeah. The other thing uh, we can say, though, is that the character of Fuller was inspired by Dave Grohl.
3: Yeah,
0: that's okay. right. That's true. Okay. See, I was I was looking that's at. That's really uh, interesting. Yeah, I was looking at Marshall as kind of like uh, Dennis Quaid in Pandorum or Inner Space.
1: I like John Ham better though.
0: I know you do. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I just, just John Hammond, and I could tell you if you, I mean, you sometimes you meet these people, and and unfortunately they're they're not as handsome as they are on TV, and and it, I it pains me to tell you that he actually is even more handsome in person really it's really it's really annoying yeah
2: <laughs> you know who else is super handsome in person Dave Grohl
3: <laughs> yeah and, and Dave is actually very I, I produced a, a documentary about Foo Fighters called Foo Fighters back and forth so I got to meet Dave and I, I defer to Elaine there yeah I I he is a handsome man but uh, he's also a really cool guy really really cool guy
2: I met him, I I was able to meet Dave Grohl on uh, the West Wing in the last season we did uh, an episode where um, the Foo Fighters came and and played like a, I don't know, some campaign event or something. And uh, like the convention or something. And uh, I just remember like, I've only gotten super nervous meeting uh, two celebrities. The first one was Harrison Ford
1: Okay. understandable
2: yep. that i was like i literally i'm not gonna lie i cried after i, got it. <laughs> I walked up, I, wa- I turned away and like tears started streaming down my face i was so like you freaked out like and amazed I, I did, like yeah. couldn't believe it and then dave Grohl, i got super like i got i just suddenly became like this anno- like fangirl we were in the craft service trailer and i was like I, I could I was kind of speechless like I was just so nervous to
0: talk to him. Glenn, did you ever have super a, kind? Do you ever have a, a a fanboy moment like that where you were just like, oh my god, I met this person and I can't believe I'm meeting them?
3: Yeah, I don't, can't tell this story without name dropping, but that's fine. Oh, oh well, I actually um, got to know um, Pierce Brosnan a little bit okay. through cool. and he and and. Um, his wife and I and some other partners are are trying to put together uh, a music documentary. And he invited me over his house for, um, for 4th of July a couple of years ago. And I was out there in the backyard and this unassuming guy was sitting next to me on a bench and we started talking and I said, you know, I'm Glenn. He goes, I'm Nicholas. And I said, I'm looking at him like Nicholas. And he goes, Meyer. I'm like, Oh, you directed star Trek to the wrath of Khan and somewhere in time and you know and he's like and he was just so flattered that i knew who he was and i was like and i was just like gosh I just please i gotta get out of here Because if he says anything stupid or annoying or politically incorrect or in opposition mm-hmm. to my views it's gonna it's gonna just scar me for life but he, he didn't do any of that he was a lovely man and, and 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 so smart it was intimidating i felt very stupid after leaving that party
0: yeah, Ashley, you've had one instance where you've met someone and cried afterwards.
1: Yes, yes, I, I had the opportunity to meet Tim Curry, and Ooh. it's tied for one of the best moments of my life, and I I couldn't help it. I mean, I it was a meet and greet. I paid to meet him, the best money I've ever spent in my life, and it was it was where I, I I cherished. Every second I was in, just just basking in the glory that is Tim Curry. He's he's. I can give you. Fantastic. I
3: can give you a little bit of a spoiler that will probably make you happy. It's not about the book, but we're currently um, developing a documentary about Clue.
4: <gasps> really.
3: Uh, and uh, that will, you know, about board game, about the movie, and um, I can't tell you who, but there's a very, very, um, very, very famous uh, Marvel. Uh, actor that is producing it with us. So, um, we look to, uh, look forward to letting the world know about that one soon.
0: Excellent. Uh, I, I, you know, I would be remiss if I didn't say my, my story where, uh, the one person I've ever like, like really got, like, I managed to hold it together fairly well, but, uh, Bill Murray, uh, his, his, uh, his son went to the boarding school where I worked and his son liked me and wanted to introduce me to his dad. So uh, I met him. He's a lot taller than you'd think.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, super nice. Signed Ghostbusters for me, signed a bunch of stuff for me. Like just. Uh,
2: that's so-, okay, so you have
3: a Bill Murray story. Do you know, I produced a film called the Bill Murray stories.
0: Oh, interesting. And
3: the whole, the whole film is about, um, all of these Bill and Murray stories that are out there in the world. and some of them are so astoundingly awesome that you, they can't you're like, you can't possibly be true. but the secret is they're all true. <laughs> just about all of them are true. And even more astoundingly, many of them have been caught on film. And the director is a guy named Tommy Avalone, and he he just embarked on this mission where he wanted to check this to investigate to see if these things were true. and he wanted to meet Bill for himself. And so the whole movie is him going on the journey, sort of following in the wake of all these stories and confirming them then also chasing down Bill. I won't say if he actually does meet him, but that film's on Netflix. It's called The Bill Murray Stories. I'll have to check oh, it yeah, out. Oh,
1: yeah, we'll have to check that out. That sounds fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's it, 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 there was, like, some weird aspects to it. Like, I ended up driving as a rental car at one point, like, from a lower parking lot to a higher parking lot because it was cold in October. But back to Devastation Class, where did the name come, up, come from? Like, I know... Uh, You know, I know you explain it in the story, but, you know, where did you guys come up with the name?
2: Well, the the original title was called California. And after the ship. Mm -hmm. Um, But it became pretty clear that that was not necessarily going to sell any books.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the title is very important when it comes to And Devastation Class definitely grabs your attention more than... uh, California
3: well, we you know I like we have um a real we take a real shine to any titles that have a double meaning mm-hmm. um, you know uh and there's examples of you know films I've worked on um numerous examples that have titles like that um and so we were looking for something that that hewed towards that sort of same thing and they're on a Devastation Class starship. It's the it's the most badass of badass starships you could ever hope to be assigned to. But there's also this group of cadets who ultimately end up at the center of the story who, because they're um, a bit, you can could, you could accuse them of being a bit um, as accomplished and as elite as they are, they also are a bit fucked up. And due to a certain incident that gets covered in the book, every incoming class of, of cadets gets a nickname. And because of something that they did, they get the pejorative nickname of devastation class because their class has <laughs> been at the, at the, the, their origin story begins with sort of a, something similar to a bar brawl. And, yes. uh, and so we had that double meaning of both the devastation class starship and their, their nickname for their incoming class of cadets.
0: I, uh, I, I, I've read that part and the uh, the, the description as to what happens to the cadets it was uh, it was kind of funny. It's like some slightly creased uniforms. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I will add that devastation class is actually a classification of, of ship from the 1800s. It's yeah. an actual class of the ship.
0: That was the first thing that I thought was like it was a class of ship. Like, that was the first thing I thought of, you know, like, you know, when it comes to nuclear submarine, like Seawolf class or Los Angeles class, you know, that's the first thing I thought of. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, and then with the the space, you know, the, the cover art is phenomenal. So I was like, all right, I need to know what's going, because the first thing that popped into my head, and I've mentioned this before, and she always makes fun of me, is... um the uh, Thrawn trilogy by Timothy Zahn it's from the Star Wars extended universe oh yeah All I could think of was like the dreadnoughts from that story
2: I read those books I read those books all right
0: so you know what I'm talking about and like the first thing I thought of was totally devastation class dreadnoughts like that's the first connection I made
3: since you mentioned the cover, we should definitely name check Michelle Holm, who who designed it. Um, and she does all of Bruce Springsteen's cover art these days mm. and a lot of other work for him. And so, you know, the, the reason that it came out as nicely as it
0: did is all credit to her. It's a phenomenal cover.
1: Yeah, I would say it's definitely very eye catching.
0: Yeah, they tell you. You don't... should
1: you should definitely judge this yeah. book by its cover. They yes. tell you
0: not to. And you know, don't judge a book by its cover. And then you, you you pay these artists to make amazing creations to catch the eye. So you will do exactly that.
3: I will say this also. I mean, there's a lot of Easter eggs in, in this book, some of which you'll catch, some of which you won't until so you get to uh subsequent installments. But I, I would venture to say that cover itself is an Easter egg. Oh,
0: hmm. I would have to. Uh... All
3: right. It. yeah. mean, might you might not get to it, but you know, I, we're we're really excited for the book to come out and for people to start guessing, you know, I, and identifying these things.
0: I do tend to pick up on these things. We had a, a gentleman who is in who uh, released a book, uh, Drew Murray. Uh, his his book was called Broken Genius, and it was about a, a murder mystery that happens at a comic con and. There were little things sprinkled throughout and I was like, "Hey, is this from this and is this from that?" And he's like, "Yeah, you're <laughs> the only one who got that." Nerd. <laughs> no, just kidding. Like one of them was a Matrix reference that he put in specifically for his son and his son missed the Matrix reference. Oh. I was like, "Really?" That's oh. Score one for me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I'm a little interested to know more about the alien race that's mentioned in the book. Where did it come from? Where did this idea of this alien race that is different from other alien races that we've seen in other sci-fi genre stuff?
3: You know, that's one that's really tough to answer without giving you spoilers. Okay. Um, and I will say that you know, they are, you know, if you were to combine the um you know the Borg with the um the dominion with the you know the empire and sort of all the 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 worst baddies that you've ever encountered in in sci-fi fiction you know we tried to make the Kastasi um sort of all of them rolled into one um but when we get to subsequent installments of the trilogy i think their origins and their motivations are going to surprise a lot of people
0: very interesting. Now that's definitely got my uh, my wheels yeah turning. my my it, I w- I, interest I,
3: has peaked a little more. I
0: do want to say um, one of the parts that I really really liked was uh, I think it was like the fourth or fifth chapter, and it was the first uh, non JD and Viv chapter the um, the debate class Here we go yes mm-hmm. the uh, you know the the. The discussion about good and evil and intent and all that, like that, was really well done. So I just, I just want to compliment you guys on that Thank particular uh, interaction because it's one of those, like, you know, everybody's the hero of their own story. You know, right. no one ever thinks that they're the villain. I mean, yeah. very rarely. Like the Joker knows that he's the bad guy and what he's doing is bad. But you know, generally, when you have these two competing factions. Um, especially in the, the situation that we find ourselves our uh, our heroes in the beginning of this, um, there's a reason that there was a a sympathy for this outside force. So the next thing I wanted to ask was, when did you guys start writing this and did any particular climate or incident in the world kind of... Uh, affect the direction of the story
3: it's hard for us to say exactly when we started writing the book proper because it started as something else right so if Mm -hmm. we were to say that if we were going to include the time when we were writing the TV series and writing the the episodes in the Bible you know arguably it was eight years Um, but if we're just talking about the book proper it's probably something more like four years and what we recognized, although there wasn't yet a pandemic, and there wasn't, um, you know, uh, a a almost revolution as a, uh, applied to social justice and racial uh, justice, um, there was something bubbling, where <clears throat> younger generations were taking initiative and sort of coming to terms with the fact that, you know, we can't just let those people, uh, our parents. Um, those older than us, those with all the gray in their temples, uh, make decisions for our future. And so that was definitely influencing us as we were writing. It's what, what happens when you make the choice to take control of your own destiny, even when the generations ahead of you aren't yet ready to relinquish control of your destiny? And what happens when you have to make the choice to just rip it from their hands, even if that requires violating an oath, breaking a law, or even putting yourself in jeopardy?
0: Yeah, I think I definitely, that's kind of why I, I asked the question, because there is a a sense of that uh, in in some of the work. So, Ashes, do you have uh, another question?
1: Um, Let me see. Let me scroll through my notes here. Well,
0: while you're doing that, okay. I, have, I have another one. Um, <laughs> coming up with the names of the characters, I find that to be one of the more difficult things, especially where, you know, if you're, like if you've seen the uh, the the Family Guy, where you know Brian's writing his novel, and the guy's like, "Oh, he's just a normal guy. His name will be Norm Hull, you know, because he's just a <laughs> normal guy, you know." Like, "Oh, well, this he's definitely not an alien spy. Why? What's his name? Uh, Hugh Hugh Man." So yeah, I
3: you think know, the the, uh, the one thing we want to avoid is sort of those cheesy names where the hero's named like Dirk Masters. You know, um,
0: Dexter Storm,
3: yeah.
0: <laughs> Lance uh, Kickass,
3: Brock, Brock McAllister is James <laughs> no, Um So, so we we tried to make them sort of more accessible, and and Lane probably is um, probably is, she I know she has a better memory than me, so she'd be able to talk to some of the specifics. But the one of the, the one that just comes to mind is if you if you look at the dedication to the book, it's dedicated to our fathers and Anthony the dog, and Anthony mm-hmm. was was the dog that we both had together and loved very much and passed away last December after being with me for 17 years. And so there are characteristics of Anthony um, that a lot of people would recognize in their dog or or whatever pet they have, sort of that that um uh that, that love and that loyalty and just that strength of spirit. And we actually named the character after Anthony, that's Anatoly. Um, And we also gave that character the last name, a friend of ours, um, named uh, Adrian Kuzich. Um, uh, And so Anatoly Kuzich is a synthesis of Anthony and and Adrian. And then, Elaine, you could probably talk about uh, Safi or um, some of the other ones.
2: Well, I can talk about Viv specifically because... When we were first dating, uh, Glenn read a script that I had written. It was a feature script, and the main character's name was Viv And that. And the reason I named her is actually, now I'm going to get real nerdy. Um, uh, Vivian in the Arthurian legends is the mother of Morgan Le Fay. Mm -hmm. And she's, she's a very badass character. And so I always loved the name and and the inspiration of just like her spirit and her her sort of strength and um and when we were coming up with the names of these characters Glenn was like why don't we why don't we call our female character Viv since you had already used it in this other thing and it's a really cool name and like it's kind of cool it'll Kind of be cool if you, you ever end up making that movie, like that would be cool to have the same character name. So that's where that came from. And then Safi, uh, because she's from Senegal, um, there are. Uh, I started looking at um, you know women's names from Senegal, and there's a uh, there's a famous writer from Senegal, I think, as well as a filmmaker. Uh, they both have the first name of Safi. So I thought that, that would be cool to give her that first name. Um, everything else, we just kind of like decided. Like Nicholas really feels like a Nicholas to us, you know. Um, i look get you.
1: Yeah. Now, was there anything that you did to get yourself in the headspace for writing specific characters?
3: A lot of cocaine. A lot of cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> no
2: oh and I should add the last name of um, the last name of Ono is actually um, my cousin's last name um, yeah we just kind of pulled from all sorts of places but I'm sorry uh, in a headspace
3: I think it was just you know, we just immersing ourselves in sci-fi trying to pull inspiration out of some of our our favorite films and TV shows and books and you just sort of start living in that universe and by osmosis that inspiration just leads into you
2: yeah and also wanting to have you know a nice sort of array of cultural backgrounds and and places where our characters are from we wanted to really make it like a a sort of a broad spectrum of, of people coming from all different places
0: sort of like a uh, like a starship troopers type thing where you know it's like a or or star trek again you know where it's like a unified like one Earth type, uh, you know, defense force, for lack of a better term.
3: Yeah, I mean, that was always something that appealed to me about um, sci-fi like that. You know, the the hope that once we get that far into the future, that the petty politics and differences that divide us will no longer be an issue. And instead of having all of these conflicts from within, we'll only have to deal with the conflicts from without. Uh, and so... I think, you, I think you've got that that right. And also, we, we made a very conscious choice to not very specifically describe the character's physical appearance. And that goes back to what we were talking about earlier in terms of, like, do you see yourself in these characters? Well, yes, again, we do, but we want you to be able to see yourself in these characters. And if I am, or, or Elaine and I are painting a very specific visual of what these characters look like, then, you know, there's very few people that will... Mesh with that description, and so we want. If there's a character in this book that you really identify, we want you to that character to feel more accessible. We want you to see yourself in that uniform. Yeah,
0: because there's really not a whole lot, uh, you know, of, of you know physical description. You know, there's like you know, oh, he, he noticed you know the green eyes or the blue hair or you know the height yeah. of someone, um, mm-hmm. and that's that's really about it. You're not like, oh, you know, he was you know you know, five foot six and, you know, and like really like laying it on. So I think that was, uh, that was a, a good. Um,
1: it's nice a good when the, tactic. when the writers trust the readers to kind of use their imagination yeah, you don't have to, to, read them. to fill in those blanks and to really get them engrossed and involved with the story.
3: And that's, you know, so that, that was something that was a push and pull with, you know, our editors and our, and our publisher, which is, in the, the they're not in the business of taking risks, right? And they're, they're wonderful, but their job is to sell books and not to to take chances. And, you know, we, our instinct is always to trust the reader. So, you know, we got a lot of notes about, you know, can you connect the dots here? Can you put some more descriptions here about what this person looks like, and how skin, how tall they are, how skinny or not skinny they are. And we didn't want to do that. Um, you know, we think that the, the story speaks for itself. We, as we were just talking about, we want you to be able to picture yourselves in the shoes of these characters. And we want to trust you to connect the dots because how much more satisfying is it if you're able to do that as opposed to us being so on the nose and leading you to water every turn?
0: I think that's why Easter eggs are so popular. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Totally.
0: Now, um, you know, just to kind of retouch on the, the headspace question again, like, is there any like specific uh, like music or anything you listen to, because the first thing that comes to my mind with this, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the band called Starset. Um, they have a, an album called uh, Transmissions, and it's essentially Tesla's. Uh, Tesla receives that message that he believes is from the future, and it's all about who sent it and mm-hmm. like all the implications. Like it's heavily based on science and sci-fi. Uh, it's a phenomenal album, and it's definitely something that I would. Listen to if I were getting in the headspace of uh, writing, you know, sci-fi and space travel and and uh-huh. the like. So, is there anything like that that you guys have?
3: For me, for sure, um, and I'm going to check that album out. It sounds right out right up my alley. Um, there's there's an art there's a there's a musician by the name of Starcadian that you should Google, and he's influenced heavily by John Carpenter and all things synth. And we actually did an animated cover. Uh, an animation animated version of our cover and we reached out to him and he um, created the thing only lasts about 10 seconds but he did some music for us for that and you know being in that sort of synthy space but also having it imbued with you know what we love from you know, our favorite movies back in the 80s like you know James Horner and mm. Alan's mystery like back to the future that sort of stuff and so I, I listened to soundtracks almost every day when I was writing it. how about you Elaine
2: yeah um um there's a specific composer that i listen to a lot when i'm writing and um and now i'm uh it's um johan johansen okay he mm-hmm. unfortunately died in the last couple of years but um denise villeneuve worked with him a bunch and um he did he he did um he did the music for arrival and um a bunch of other huge movies and his work is awesome. Um, and then also I'm embarrassed to say, I don't remember her name, the woman who, who did the Joker um, soundtrack, uh, her music is really um, totally. cinematic and beautiful. And I listen to, um, I listen to her stuff a lot and then, yeah, and then also, you know, just some of the, some of the classic stuff from, um, even even I'll I'll throw on a little John Williams every now and then I'm not going to lie you know? Oh well
0: yeah <laughs> although I will say that as you're listening to uh Oh yeah I couldn't I couldn't pronounce this name uh, I just Yeah
2: Hilder Hilder um the woman who did the Joker
0: Yeah uh, I I season. there's a lot I'd, of
3: uh score. It's going to be awkward if he listens to this
0: Oh, I, I know her I, first
2: name is Hildur. Yes, and we don't know how to pronounce her last name without butchering it.
0: Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of uh, accent marks with which I am unfamiliar.
2: She's from Iceland.
0: I was gonna say it seems like a Scandinavian name.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, but yeah, the, with uh, with Williams and stuff. Although uh, certain certain folks tend to have similar. Like I just uh, rewatched Dick Tracy for the first time ever.
3: Danny open, um, right?
0: Yes, but it was very. If you closed your eyes, you would think you were watching uh, a Batman sequel because it was—it came out right around the same time as uh, right in between the Michael Keaton films, and it was very, very Batman-esque. Huh.
3: How cool is it that Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman? Oh, the coolest thing flash- I've heard all year. Flashpoint,
0: Flashpoint is a, is something that I've been waiting for for a long time in live action, and I cannot wait because it's going to be amazing. It'll be awesome. Totally awesome. So, um, Asher, do you have any uh, final questions before we let these folks go? Uh, no? Okay. So, basically, you know, you guys have this. This is going to be part of a trilogy. Uh, when can we expect, you know, depending on the state of everything going on in the world, when can we uh, look forward to seeing book two? This isn't going to be like a George R. R. Martin thing where it's going to be like, Eleven years from now, we're like, yeah, don't worry just a little longer, just a little longer <laughs>
3: our, our best ambition is about a year. Um, depends on the state of the world, depends mm-hmm. on how eager people are. if everyone is you know frothing at the mouth for book two and up on social media and just shames us into writing faster and we could make sure that we you know, spend fewer weekends um, you know heading out to Palm Springs and having margaritas and spend more weekends writing. But yeah, I think about a year is the the ambition to have these come out every year or so. All
0: right, yeah. So you know, maybe cut down on hanging out with Pierce Brosnan and, and Dave Grohl and yeah, you know, get to work. Because uh, I'm, you know, like I said, I didn't read the whole thing because I don't want to get into any type of spoiler territory, you know, even accidentally. Yeah. Um, but I was flying through it like I'm really enjoying it. Uh, I'm liking the characters. I'm liking their interactions. I like the uh perspective shifts um, it's it's very well done, and i'm i I like space like if i could i would I would go especially now. I would let you go I know <laughs> uh.
1: I also really like the young adult perspective of it. I think that uh I find myself reading more young adult novels these days, and it's not because it's uh it's easier. Um, But I find the stories to be more engrossing.
0: They're more fantastical and fun. And, you know, we've been interviewing a lot of young adult writers and people conflate young adult with this is for kids. It's like, no, it's just aimed at a specific audience. There's still plenty of death and brutality. Like, don't get it wrong. It's just aimed at a different audience because that's who the lead characters are. You know, instead of like, you know, this... 45 year old grizzled war veteran, you know, like a or like a Harrison Ford now, you know, leading the charge. You know, it's some 17 year old kid like you're the chosen one. Like that seems to come up a lot.
3: Well, exactly. And you know, we 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 wanted to take that perspective, that fresh young perspective. Um, But by the same token, we wanted to write something that we would read. And we're certainly not teenagers. Um, and so we hope it appeals to all audiences or in this case, readers of all ages.
0: Well, we want to thank you guys for uh, coming on, spending a little over an hour with us. I really appreciate it. Uh, before we let you go, um, where do you like folks following you on social media and where can they find the book? Uh, you can go to uh,
3: devastationclass dot com um, and we have links to every bookseller under the sun. So if there's one you like more than the other, uh, you can you'll find it on our website. Uh, My two um, social media um, IDs are uh, at Zipper, at Z-I-P-P-E-R on Twitter, and at Glenn Zipper on Instagram with one N, -N G-L-E-N-Z-I-P-P-E-R.
2: And my uh, Instagram is at Elaine Mungin, (laughs) E-L-A-I-N-E-M-O-N-G-E-O-N. And on Twitter, it's E underscore Mungin.
0: All right, and uh, so Devastation Class drops on the 8th, wherever... Tuesday. Uh, yes. Tuesday. Yeah, because we're recording this on a Sunday.
1: Yes, and this episode will air on Thursday. It
3: is. Every day feels like Monday. It's like one...
0: We will be putting links in the show description where you can get the book and uh, also links to the social media so you can follow these folks. And uh, we'll be dropping links into the Throwdown Thursday Facebook group as well so you can... Uh, Pick your book up. And uh, once again, thank you guys for joining us. I really appreciate it. And uh,
3: I'm going to hop off of this and join your Facebook group now.
0: Awesome. Appreciate it. All right. And uh, we'll be right back. It's been 10 years. 10 years to plot and plan. And now. Debbie Wilkins is back. A decade after her killing spree on the set of The Bayou Butcher, Debbie Wilkins has returned to the spotlight, and she's getting the attention she craves. But will she bathe in glory or in blood? Debbie isn't the only one who's been plotting and planning, and when worlds collide, there's going to be a lot of collateral damage. Does Debbie have what it takes to stay on top, or will she end up on the cutting room floor? Debbie Rashawn, Stormy Daniels, and Diana Prince lead a cast of Badass Women in Axe to Grind Part 2 coming soon. Support the Indiegogo campaign by joining the Facebook group, clicking the link, and choosing your perk. Want to be in a scene with Stormy? You can. Want her to kill you? That's up for grabs, too. How about your face in the movie? Or your artwork? Or your own music? All of these perks and more can be yours. Support indie horror. Don't make Debbie ask you twice. On June 27th of this year, -year 16-year-old Jack Weeks, excited to be out at the beach, ran to the water and dove in, but it was too shallow and Jack landed awkwardly. He damaged his neck from his C4 through his C6 vertebrae. He was instantly paralyzed and unable to breathe. The quick thinking and fast action of some bystanders which included some doctors, ER personnel, and everyday heroes who happened to be at the beach that day, saved Jack's life. Now he and his family face an uphill battle to pay for uninsured medical costs and the many changes that must be made to their home in order to facilitate Jack as he adjusts to this new chapter in his life. You can help by going to helphopelive.org campaign Backslash 17554 to donate, share, and learn more about Jack's situation. A link will also be in the show description. You can also choose to mail a check to Help Hope Live to Radnor Corporate Center, Suite 100, 100 Matsonford Road, Radnor, PA, 19087. Make checks payable to Help Hope Live with In Honor of Jack Weeks on the memo line. Anything you can do to help will be greatly appreciated by Jack and his family, especially his parents, Cammie and Kip. You might recognize Kip from his role in The Strangers and how active he is in the horror community and with our horror family. And now he's reaching out to us in the horror community as our horror family and relying on the kindness of strangers to help his family overcome this daunting adversity. Please share Jack's story and donate if you can. Thank
5: you. Greetings, weary adventurer. Do ye have a taste for the exotic? Do regular snacks no longer provide the thrill ye seek? Would ye rather eat a cod piece than another boring candy bar? Then it's time for ye to sink your teeth into mythical meats exotic game sticks. Mythical Meats offers a wide variety of exotic flavors based on creatures of legend to give you a snack experience of epic proportions. Like it hot? Try the Spicy Creatures Sample Pack featuring dragon chupacabra and werewolf. More in the mood for something a bit milder? Try the Creatures of the Sky Sample Pack with Pegasus, Griffin, and Phoenix can't decide on which one you want, why not try the Exotic Flavor Sample Pack, featuring all ten flavors, so you can find your favorite. Go to mythicalmeats.com to see the full selection of flavors, and place your order. All orders over $49 get free two-day shipping. Mythical Meats Exotic Game Snack Sticks. So good, they're legendary.
0: Hi, this is Dominic Pace, who played the bounty hunter Gecko from The Mandalorian, and you are listening to the Throwdown Thursday podcast. folks were absolutely delightful, and uh, I can't wait for you all to check out uh, Devastation Class. Uh, we posted some links both on Twitter and in the Facebook group, so you can uh, you can actually join their Facebook group, and they have all the links where you can buy it in different places. You know, Goodreads or, or Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Target is going to carry it. Uh, we were at Target yesterday. We didn't go, because we're recording this Tuesday. So, Next time we're at Target, we're gonna have to take a look and see if we can see it. Yeah. Um, because they're gonna send us a copy, um, but I also want to have one. You know, I I try to do that. Like if somebody gives me something, like I'll I'll sign it. Like Steve, when we first met, Steve he gave us a copy of uh, the Bone Eater King and Mm -hmm. he signed it for us. And you know, obviously that's my display copy. So I went and I picked up uh, Bone Eater King and.
1: Marrow dust uh,
0: Marrow dust. I was going to say Predator World but like Predator World is the name of the, the universe on uh, Kindle so I can have those and, and not worry about it, and I can have my nice display uh, and hopefully that's what people are going to do with uh, my book everybody buys two copies uh, I'll sign <laughs> one and Jeanette will sign the other one and then we'll have a third one that we both sign and then you have your fourth copy to read so everybody needs to buy four of my books mm-hmm. um, I think that's a pretty good deal that's pretty smart yeah yeah, yeah,
1: completely yeah. doable. Well, I mean, at at, at ten bucks a pop, it's completely yeah.
0: doable. I mean, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough this year. You know, uh, everybody's struggling. You know, um, although I will say it was pretty cool. Colton um, Baumgartner, who is uh, in Evil Under the Skin, the 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 episode that uh, Leo and I just did for Indie Creator Spotlight, he was in that, uh, and he is in the upcoming Axe to Grind Part Two. Uh, he recently released a book and uh he and I were chatting about that and we each bought each other's book uh his book uh fair is also on uh Amazon as well so uh hopefully he uh he might be joining us in a couple of weeks when we do our our live show on the 18th to kind of promote everything and and help everybody um you know sort of sort of uh, lift each other up uh that's going to be a hell of a good show um Ashes, what did you think of the uh, the interview?
1: I thought it went really well. I think that Glenn and Elaine are just absolutely wonderful, and I wish them all of the best luck in the world with the book and with their future endeavors. We did get to chat a little bit, offline, you know, off yeah. offline about some stuff, and they have some really interesting stuff coming up in the works so those, those two, two were done. yeah like th- those two are definitely uh, a couple of people to watch out for i think
0: and i do want to say like you know a lot of people will will you know they'll be like oh yeah yeah i'll, I'll buy your book or I'll, I'll follow you on you know social media or whatever like glenn followed it up like before you know we even mm-hmm. finished you know wrapping up the episode and you know having everything saved and whatnot you know behind the scenes production stuff uh he had already joined Throwdown thursday And, you know, now we linked up on Facebook and, you know, it was it was awesome. Like we had a lot of fun with them. It was great chatting with uh, uh, Elaine offline a little bit about, you know, because she's familiar with the area in which we live. She grew up like a town over. So, you know, it was nice being able to chat with her about some of the stuff that, uh, you know, we had around here and talk a little bit about lovecraft country which we just started watching we just started watching season one of the boys we're a few episodes into that so we're kind of bouncing back and forth you know catching up so you might uh you might see an episode from uh one of those in the f- in the future mm-hmm. uh i don't know how long lovecraft country is going to go for but i think maybe once that series wraps up we do an episode on that Especially because we're like five episodes behind at this point
1: yeah we we've watched one episode, but i'm I'm hooked I'm here for it i I want to know. I have to know more at this point
0: yeah i I want to know what's going on like they really
1: on. left that first episode uh. Uh, not so much on a cliffhanger, but, you know, something you know, happens. it's definitely
0: a cliffhanger. Yeah, you
1: know, well, yeah. I mean, something happens, and you're just kind of like, what the fuck?
0: Well, it's 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 a serialized episodic story where, you know, each one leads into the next one, so you have to watch the first episode uh, to kind of know what's going on later on. Um Speaking of Lovecraft, uh, I just submitted a story for More Lore from the Mythos Part 2, and I read you a, a little bit of it, and mm-hmm. uh, you thought it was pretty good. And I, I, I had a couple other people check it out, uh, and they thought it was pretty good. I did get some constructive criticism back about some of the uh, words and phrases that I used, and so I took that into account. But uh, if you are unfamiliar with m- More Lore from the Mythos Volume 2, that's fine because... Uh, It hasn't come out yet. More Lore from the Mythos Volume 1, however, is already out. Came out last December, November. I forget. But it was about a year ago that I submitted my story to that called The Shed. And uh, our good buddy Steve Van Sampson also has a story in that. uh, It's all Lovecraftian, like our take on some some of the Lovecraftian horror stuff. And all of my stuff takes place in the same universe uh, the universe of The Rift which, uh, if you've read any of the stuff in my book, hopefully you've gotten my book uh, soon, or you will, uh, there are several stories that take place within the Rift world, including Too Ugly for Heaven, and Tiny White Will Punch Your Fucking Lights Out, and the uh, prequel and sequel combo of Roboctopus and Croctopus. So those all take place in the the world of the Rift. And so the, my story, The Shed, is... Uh, I described it to somebody today as Lovecraftian body horror. Does that sound about right to you?
1: I, I, I think that's a really good way to describe it.
0: Um, it was my first attempt at writing uh, that type of uh, story. And I, I mean, it, it went well enough that it was included in the anthology. So I think it's uh, a pretty good story. But... Uh, but yeah, we're going to have uh, links in the show description for where you can pick up uh, Devastation Class.
1: And what's great is every book that we've spoke about so far on this show is so, like, every book has been different. You know, so some of them may have a sci-fi feel to it, but this one is really sci-fi.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've we've talked about, um, you know, how... The 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 story is like you know the hero's journey, and there was a great breakdown. If you got a chance to see the interview I did with uh, Chris Tadlock over at Sourcepoint Press uh, last week, um, we talked about how there's really only eight stories that can be told. It's how you tell them. Like, you know, if I ex- if I describe to you, uh, you know, there's a young young chosen person living off you know by themselves and. They are suddenly thrust into a position where they have to uh, achieve greatness, where they are the chosen one, and they have this wise old mentor figure who is aiding them and assisting them and helping them along their journey. But something happens, and that wise old mentor figure uh, dies. I mean, there's 20 different stories I could think of right off the top of my head. Am I talking Mm -hmm. about Luke Skywalker? Am I talking about, say, Harry Potter? Am I talking about, you know, uh, Rocky? Rocky? Like, Mm. you know, like it's the hero's journey. And as you uh, like, that's a specific story. So, you know, you'll find that uh, happens a lot. And people like, oh, it's the same story over and over again. It's like, yeah, it's been the same story over and over again for fucking thousands of years. Like, that's just the way it is. Like, there's only so many stories. uh, And we talked a little bit about it. And he, he went into much more detail than I did. But there's only really like eight types of stories. It's all in how you tell them and i think that's where you know some of the folks that we've been talking to over these past couple of uh episodes you know with Hannah Howard and and um you know obviously Elaine and um um Glenn and Marcy K Connolly mm-hmm. and um Drew Murray um these guys are all telling a a, a their own type of story and they're all very unique You know, it's like, oh, yeah, well, maybe it's young adult fantasy, and a lot of young adult fantasy is the same. But, you know, if you look at the Divergent series, it's different from the Maze Runner series, it's different from the Hunger Games series. Mm -hmm. You know, it's the same basic thread, and we see the same things. But again, it's the same as Harry Potter and Star Wars, you know? like i said you know, there's a, there's a lot of ways well, and, to tell and, the story.
1: Uh, yeah, and every author is going to have a different voice, a different point of view. Mm-hmm. So that's what makes each story unique. Yeah. You know, we, we we you you say this about podcasting. You know, nobody has your voice. Nobody has your opinions and, you know, nobody nobody else is is you.
0: There's a million people that do what we do, but no one else has your voice. Right. That's what El Goro and Steven Scarlatta told me on like my third podcast ever like fucking six, seven years ago. That was so long ago. It was a long time ago. Oh my god.
1: A galaxy far away. But
0: I must have said that phrase to a hundred different people a hundred different times and about a bunch of different things. Like, oh, I could... You know, we met that kid at at uh, Scarecon that was like, "Oh, I could never write a book." It's like you absolutely can write a fucking book. You absolutely can.
1: And you know, honestly, like right now is such a good time to sit down and do something like that. Do something that you've always wanted to do. If you if if you want to take a stab at writing, absolutely do it. I'm I'm gonna do it. It's something that I've been wanting to do. I've been kind of toying around with and. Gonna, yeah. you know throw it out there you and know the if you want to learn a, a certain craft or whatever Paint, like now's a right, really draw. right like now's a really good time Cross to do stitch. it you know like what else are you doing
0: learn how to shoot a left-handed hook shot from the foul line like sure. whatever you want to do like just you know try it because again there's a million people that you know do things and there's going to be people that are better than you and there's going to be people that you are better than
1: but no one is you right And that's what makes you special.
0: That's right. You are unique, just like everyone else. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But no, like, you know, talking about the writing thing, you know, the story that I'm submitting is a story that I originally wrote. Like I had kind of had like the bones to it. Um, It was a 60 page story that I was like editing and rewriting. And I'm I'm reading this. I'm like, holy shit, this sucks. (laughs) <laughs> this is fucking garbage.
1: Yeah, but it's it's great because you get to see the the amount of growth that you've had.
0: Like, I, I read some of that to you, and you were like, wow, that was really good. Like, I really like the way you describe these things. And, like, you know, the stuff, you know, I, I, as I'm reading it, it's like, the man had a green shirt. His hat was funny. And it's just like... <laughs> and now it's like, you know... You know his, t- his the the tattered rags that covered his torso, you know, uh, flapped in the wind and were the col- color of, you know, uh, sludge in the 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 morning mist. You know, it's like <laughs> it's so different. Like it's it's you that know. would be
1: a great perfume, sludge in the morning mist. Morning sludge by Calvin Klein.
5: Morning sludge, number five morning sludge number 5 <laughs> but no like
0: you will if if you are uh unhappy with what you do keep at it because there is nothing that you can do that does not improve with practice you know if you're like oh i suck at this i'm going to stop and that was again something that i discussed on my interview i was like oh man i am my ideas are fucking stupid I don't want to. I don't want to write anymore. That was me in in uh, sixth grade. I was about twelve years old. It was nineteen ninety three, and I was like, I'm not going to write anymore. Like all my ideas are dumb and stupid and far fetched. So I started reading more, and I read a story by Stephen King called The Mangler about a haunted laundry machine that kills people. Then I found out they made that into a movie, and then I found out they made a sequel to that movie. So I'm like, all right, nothing that I'm going to write is going to be dumber than a haunted laundry machine that kills people. But again, it's all about how you tell the story. Like, this thing comes to life because, like, there are specific, you know, uh, 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 I don't want to call them spices. What is, what's what's the, the, like, Belladonna was one of the things that splashed onto this, you know, through and, like, dirt from the clothes that was from a specific place. And, you know, a girl cut her finger, but she was a virgin. So, like, you're mixing all these things together, almost making, like, a potion. Mm-hmm. You know, all these things are mixing together. And that brings the laundry machine to life but it's a fucking laundry machine that comes to life like it doesn't matter what your story is it matters you know how you uh, progress and how the story is told so that's really all i wanted to say about that i figured this was going to be five minutes it's been almost 15.
1: <laughs> so anyways if you are interested in devastation class Please check out the show notes. We will have places that you can purchase it there. Uh, and and buy it. If you like mm-hmm. sci-fi, and don't be, I don't want to say discouraged, but don't be um, put out by the fact that it's a young adult. Because it's a really great read.
0: Right. And we talked about that. Young adult doesn't necessarily mean like, oh, and then... The bad man came and everyone had ice cream and everyone learned a valuable lesson. It's like, no, like there are terrible consequences that happen. Like, you know, just reading, uh, you know, some of the other books, like people are dying. People are getting killed. Like, you know, you know, twin daggers. Like that's not going to end well because it's about dagger devastation class, broken genius. Well, broken genius wasn't really a, uh, a young adult. It was a tech thriller. Yes. Um but like some of these, you know, some of the shit that happens in Harry Potter, like people getting mangled it by is snakes dark. and shit, like it's
1: fucking dark.
0: Yeah, it's there's there's dark stuff that happens in these, you know. Um all these stories have awful things that happen to them. But speaking of things that aren't awful, uh, what are we doing next week?
1: So next week's episode is a little different. Yeah, it is. We're not going to be talking about characters, but no we definitely. are going to be talking to a few gentlemen that are quite characters. They are
0: definitely characters. One, you will, uh, you might re- remember from uh, way back when, uh, Operation Dwight Lightning, and uh, possibly one of the greatest uh, uh, voicemails ever, our buddy Nick Ferrarararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararararar who is the uh, lead yelling man uh, and his friend Casey, who is the lead singing man for their band hidden figures and uh, Dan Horahan, who is the uh, director of their upcoming videos. So we chat with those three gentlemen about, you know, their band uh, and Dan's career and how he was able to help bring Nick and Casey's and the band's vision to life Um it was a really fun show. We ended up chatting with Dan for about another hour and a half yeah, after the show yeah, ended. Yeah,
1: it's very, like, so all and of there's these. There's some
0: stuff happening with that. Yeah.
1: So, <laughs> I mean, when we say there's some, like, interesting stuff coming up, like, there's some really interesting stuff in the world. Get out here. There's like, a
0: doings are transpiring. I'm
1: really excited about this, the potential stuff that we have going on. Like, yeah, it's, it's going to be gonna exciting. It's going to be so freaking cool. But, yeah, these kids are great. They have a bright future ahead of them. They're all super talented in their own rights and the fact that they all came together to work on you know the band and these videos and this part, the, you know these what projects the
0: of the ultimately songs mean. yeah
1: and you know it's kind of cool to get a peek behind the curtain so to speak you know to kind of get a little bit of behind the scenes stuff as to what goes into filming a music video and yeah, what's you know, the what process? goes into the songwriting process how and is everything. it different so, from filming
0: like a short film or a feature and you know there's it, it was interesting to pick their brains and kind of talk about the creative process with this because I know nothing about making music videos.
1: Yeah, so like I said, a little different than our typical Throwdown Thursday episode, but I think you guys will really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, plus we're going to have uh, some sneak peeks of some of the music that uh, is going to be up on their upcoming album, some of the songs that are uh, going to uh, going to be made into videos. Uh, but I think with that being said, oh yeah, and we're also going to... Uh, Give you another week on the uh, battle because if it's battle of bands, we gotta we gotta have it. You know, answer the 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 poll on.
1: It'll also help if I actually post the battle to the group. So that's gonna happen. I just it need happens. to remember how to use things. Because yeah,
0: we're going away on vacation this weekend, and it's gonna be awesome, awesome. So many wines.
1: All the wines. Ugh. I'm gonna have a lot of wine to talk about.
0: So, I think with that being said, we we will see see you you next next (laughs) Thursday. I almost said Tuesday because today's Tuesday. (laughs) Try this again. Uh Oh, I need to nap. We We will will see you you next Thursday. Thursday. Good
1: job, Patsy.